0: As you watch this teaching, I would like to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.
1: Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner and I'm sitting here tonight with some of my favorite people in the whole world, Denise Renner, Joel Renner, and Maxime Masnikov. Welcome guys to Home Group. Thank you, Rick and Home Group, welcome. It's such a privilege to be with you in these home groups, and I believe that you're learning a lot, too. We're learning a lot, so I think you're learning a lot. And I'm so honored, <clears> these <throat> that people let us come right into their space. I mean, for you to have us where oh, yeah. you are, you've got to make time for us. We know that. And thank you so much. And please go online, give us your comments. I want to know all your thoughts about what we're sharing at Home Group right now. And if you need prayer, let us know how to pray for you. We want to pray. We really mean that. Just call us 1-800-742-5593 or send us an email at prayer at runner.org. Maxime, welcome to Home Group. I'm happy to be here. And you said we're, we're your favorite people in the whole
2: world. You're our favorite Bible teacher, that's for sure. And Maxime, that you. was very sweet. Thank you for all the hard work you do to get those pearls, those gems. You work so hard, and we're so thankful to you.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Maxine. And since you're talking about pearls and gems, I want people to get the download. Oh, yes, that is a pearl and a gem. It
0: really is. Joel, you want to say something about it? Those study guides are really a gift. You can get it for free right now on our website. And every week we offer a study guide for free to match the TV program. And Dad puts hours in these notes. These are really his notes that he teaches from. And he is just put hours into them, and studied, and studied, and there's Greek words, and there's so many points and good things in these study notes that you can go through yourself or with your friends. A lot of people don't know how to study the Bible, and I think these study notes help you study the Bible in specific areas, like, for instance, Christmas. It's a, really, it's a great thing, but I have a question. Yes, sir. Maxime, you are on our program with us, and I am so glad you're with us. Thank you. Please tell our please tell. Our home group. What you do? There's so many new people with us. Well, what I do?
2: I'm Pastor Rick's personal assistant. I'm his translator. Every time he preaches on Sunday in our church, I'm on the stage, translating for him, and it's a great honor for for me. And uh, before I came to you, I prayed for what? For five years. I just for five years, I was saying, God, I want to be near that man, and I'm pretty near to you. So I'm responsible for our seniors ministry in our church. Uh, And it's a great honor, we led thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. And you
1: started this ministry, and thank you for this. Maxim, you do a lot more than that. What else? (laughs) When we travel, yes, sir. you travel with me, you're on my side when we preach in the Russian-speaking world. By the way, I speak Russian, but speaking Russian and preaching Russian, they're two different things. Russians are really picky about their language. And so when I stand on a platform, Maxime preaches with me. But one-on-one, I do fine with Russian. True. But when we travel to film our stand-ups for our TV program, by the way, please go online and order this. Please, 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 you'll love it. And there is a whole series that goes with it. Stand-ups made me think about it because in the beginning of every one of these programs, the stand-ups are all over Israel. And Maxime plans our trips to do those stand-ups. For example, you don't just show up in Israel and film. You you cannot do Well, you can, but it's illegal. You have to have permissions. And so it takes months and months and months to get the permissions. Maxim, just tell a little snippet of what we have to do. Well,
2: Well, everywhere we go, like Turkey, I contact the Ministry of Culture three or four months before we go. And I work and work with them getting all those permissions. And God helps us. God really does help us. But what's funny about Israel... It's the only country in the world where there are places, like where you have to film in one place, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Right. You have to film in one place, but for filming in one place, you have to get three permissions from three different places. You heard me right. You film in one place, but you get three different permissions. It's Armenian. Armenian Church, Catholic Church and uh, I think Greek Orthodox. Greek Orthodox or Greek, Ethiopian, I can't Greek, remember. Greek Orthodox, and you go to all this, they're called Patriarchate, how do you say it in English? Patriarchs. Patriarchs, you go and you beg them, please give us permission, and God helped us. We, get, we got all
1: those permissions, we filmed there. But well, like for us to film in Turkey, we have to go through Ankara, we have to get all those permissions. Yeah, the Ministry of months. Culture, yes. If we're going to film in Greece, we have to go through the Department of Culture, and in Greece it's really complicated, because you have to go through a different cultural department for every single location there's not like one central one so anyway Maxime does all of that and when we go to film on location we take a whole crew Maxime plans the hotels he plans uh, the route the car so when he mentions these things he was really underestimating what he does and Maxime in the past couple years has uh, learned the Greek language, and he and I worked together on a lot of our Greek studies. So anyway, Joel, I'm glad you, you asked that question. Oh, yes, thanks. Thank, thank you. you for being with us. It's a pleasure. By the way, I have missed Paul Renner on Home Group, but he is so busy because of the holidays that he just cannot be with us right now. And I'm proud of him for what he's doing. He's doing a great job. And, of course, Philip is doing his ministry in the United States, and he's doing such a great job. But, hey, if you're looking for something to buy somebody, for Christmas get them Sparkling Gems 1 or Sparkling Gems number 2 you'll be so glad you did and they'll be so glad you did. But today we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 2. You ready? We're going to talk a little bit more about Herod. We talked about Herod day before yesterday. But today I want to cover a little bit more about Herod, what he did when the Magi showed up. Now here we have this nativity set. We have 3 kind of lonely-looking Magi. They were not lonely. They traveled in caravans. They were kingmakers. We covered all that yesterday. If you didn't hear that, that was good yesterday. Oh, yes. It was very good. Go back and see the archives or order the whole series, Christmas, the rest of the story. But let's go back to this subject about Herod the Great. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, we saw this word, behold, it's really Matthew inserting his response. Wow! He is so amazed as he's writing this. Of course, it's been years and years since it happened, but for him it is still a wow event. Wow! There came kings from the east. We've seen that wise men are kings really is the plural form of the Greek word magos. It's magoi. And it describes this median group of priests and astronomers that were strongly influenced by the prophet Daniel, who had lived and served in the city of Babylon, and he had influenced all the other Magi. And because of Daniel, they were all waiting for a world leader to be born, and there's no equivalent of a Magi in the world today. They were political, they were rich, they were religious, They were kingmakers. With a single word, they could install a king. With a single word, they could depose a king. And I told you last night that even Nero was terrified of them. When the Magi came to Rome, he rolled out the red carpet because he was terrorized at the thought of Magi. That's how much power they had. And they were kingmakers. Yes, Joel? To me, it sounds
0: like if the G8... All came. All those world leaders there in the G8 came to some other city, country of the world, and deposed a ruler or put a ruler in place. That's well, that's kind of what it
1: sounds like to. Well, them. that's kind of the idea. I mean, they had that kind of clout, and now they're all coming into Jerusalem. And the Bible says, as they entered the city, they were saying. The Greek says, Legante saying and saying and saying and saying. I mean, this was noised all over the place. Hey, does has anybody seen the King of the Jews? Does anybody know anything about this baby that's been born the King of the Jews? They were saying, I can just see them riding through the city, speaking to people in the crowds as they moved through the crowd. We're looking for the King of the Jews. Does anybody know where is he that's been born King of the Jews? Saying and saying and saying, and of course all of this reached the ears of Herod. But the Bible tells us in Matthew 2, 2, they specifically said, where is he born king of the Jews? In Greek, the word king is the word Basileus, capital B. This is not a low-level king. This is capitalized king, the king of kings, not a king, the king. And they believed this was the long-awaited world leader that Daniel had prophesied about, and they said they have come to worship Him. Then Matthew 2, verse 3, the Bible says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. The word troubled is the Greek word teraso, which means to be agitated, shaken up, or deeply, deeply troubled. It can also mean to be disquieted, to become restless, to lose your peace, And it means Herod was agitated. Herod was really shaken up by this. He was in a state of emotional upheaval because of this news that a king had been born to the Jews. He was paranoid about anybody trying to take his throne. And now magi showed up. And he knows with one word they can remove him and install the new king. So he is terribly upset. And the Bible says all Jerusalem with him was upset. The Bible says all, it's a form of the Greek word pasa, it means all, the whole, everyone in the whole city. It pictures totality, every single part of the city, everyone in the city, everyone was in a state of upheaval. Why? Because they knew what Herod did when he heard that a king had been born. He started killing people. This was bad news For the citizens of the city, they knew there was about to be a lot of bloodshed, and they were right. Because he ended up killing a lot of people. And, as I told you in a previous program, Herod was just a killer. He killed his wife. He killed his eldest sons. He just killed, killed, killed. He had no respect for human life whatsoever. And when they come into town... Saying, Where is he born, king of the Jews? The whole city was thrown into a state of emotional upheaval because they knew Herod was going to go berserk and he was going to start killing people. And then the Bible goes on to tell us in Matthew chapter 2, verse 4. You ready? Mm -hmm. And when Herod had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. The word demanded is a Greek word which means he asked. He inquired, or to ascertain by inquiry, it means to investigate, to interrogate. It is an intense interrogation. He literally interrogated them. And here it's translated demanded, because the Greek tense is so strong, he gave them no option. He basically sat them in the room and said, you're going to answer me. And I'm going to interrogate you until you give me the answer that I'm looking for. He said, tell me exactly how. Tell me when. Tell me where the Christ is to be born. He demanded a response from them. And through a very intense investigation, he was able to pinpoint scripturally where the Messiah was going to be born. And of course, his intention was to go and kill The Messiah. Yes, Joel. Isn't it so
0: very interesting that Herod knew what these Magi were asking? He understood what the Magi were asking. He understood that they were talking about the Messiah, the King of Kings. And Herod was so wicked, so evil, that he wanted to kill the King of Kings. That was the whole point of the dialogue. How can I find out where this baby is so I can kill him? That's exactly Not just any baby the king of kings
1: that the Magi are looking for. He was just despicable. And then in Matthew 2, verses 4 through 7, it says, And they, that is the priest and the scribes, said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea. So they identified prophetically, scripturally, where the Messiah was to be born. For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then listen to this. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently. So now he's done with the religious folks. He has the answer that he wants. He knows where this this baby has been born. It's happened in Bethlehem. Now he wants to know from the wise men the next piece of information that he needs. He inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Why did he want to know when the star appeared? Because he knew the star appeared when the baby was born. If he knew when the star was appeared and how much time it's been since the star appeared, then he would be able to determine how old is this child now. He would know what age to look for. So he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Inquired of them diligently means... He asks them for extreme accuracy. I mean he's really getting down to the smallest detail, down to the finest point. He's actually asking them to be factually precise. It pictures exact information with the highest level of accuracy. And this is a probing investigation. He was asking them for extreme precise accuracy in their answers down to the finest details. And what did he want to know? When did that star appear? Tell me, I want to know exactly, don't make any mistake, exactly, be factually correct. And of course, they were magi, (laughs) they were going to be correct. And he asked for when did, what time it appeared, the word time is a Greek word chronos. He was really asking for the chronology of these events. Because he knew, if he could determine when the star appeared, and how much time has passed, then he'll know how old is this child today. Then we're told in Matthew chapter 2, verse 8. You ready, Denise? Mm -hmm. Then Herod sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. But notice he says to them, search diligently. Hmm. This again describes very accurate information to be factually precise, Make no mistakes. I want correct information. And he sent them to Bethlehem. But they didn't go there. Something else is, he said, when you find the young child. Isn't that amazing how every word is so very important? That's why translations are so very important. I'm working on my RIV, which is Renner's, interpretive version. I'm going to try to bring all this into my version. I'm really working on it. Pray for me. Young child is a translation of a form of the Greek word paideon. That is so important. And it's not here. It's it's not carried in the text. For example, in Luke chapter 2, when the Bible describes Jesus being born, it's the word brephos. That word brephos is a newborn. The word child is a newborn. This is the word paideon. The word paidean describes a small child, probably a toddler. This is not a baby anymore. Time has passed. In fact, almost two years has passed. And even the Greek tells us this is not a baby. This is a child in training. This is a toddler. And he says, bring me news when you have found the toddler. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. So he's no longer an infant. And the bible tells us in matthew 2 verses 8 to 11 and when they heard the king they departed and lo the word lo again the greek word you do matthew is inserting his own sentiments and wow it is amazing the char the star shows up again and the star which they saw in the east went before them to look him and stood over where the young child was and i just want to say again about the star It seems to me this cannot be a natural star because they're able to follow it. You can't follow stars, but there are some who say it was a constellation of Saturn and Jupiter. I don't know. I'm just telling you what some say. But when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the what? House. House. Hold on. When they were in Bethlehem, they were in a Cave. cave. Now they're in a... House. Where was their house? Their house was in? Nazareth. Nazareth. They're in Nazareth. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Now twice, in verse 9 and verse 11, the phrase young child, the translation of the Greek word paideon, appears twice. It tells us over and over, this is not a baby. Mm Mm-hmm this is a toddler. Now, how did Herod respond to their disobedience? Well, let's find out. Matthew 2, verse 12 tells us that after the wise men, the magi, saw Jesus being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. Verse 16 says, then Herod when he saw that he was mocked or tricked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the babies that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from what? What does it say, Denise? Two years old. From two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the Magi. He knew this baby At a maximum was two, somewhere under the age of two. So when he heard that they tricked him and they went another way, he didn't know they went to Nazareth. He thought they went to Bethlehem and then just disappeared. He didn't know the rest of the story. And because he was limited in his knowledge, he thought the whole thing was still happening in Bethlehem. And he sent his troops and they killed all the babies from two and under in the city of Bethlehem. And I think there's something else really important here. The devil's not all-knowing. Mm -hmm. The devil did not know where Jesus was. The devil did not even know Jesus had been born. The devil was not able to find Jesus. The devil is not all-knowing. He's not as smart as people think he is.
0: Actually, it even proves that he's stupid. Because these shepherds had announced the birth of Jesus. Prophets had spoken to Jesus at the baby dedication. Jesus had been around for over two years. And the devil didn't even recognize it. Joel, you have to be stupid to rebel against God. He was just totally ignorant. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, smart
1: individual would not rebel against God. But if you put together the whole chronology or the timeline of all these events, the timeline, the chronology which Herod had received from the Magi, he was able to determine that this Messiah was probably about two years old. Mm-hmm. And since he couldn't pinpoint Jesus' location, he gave the orders for all the babies two years old and under to be killed in the area of Bethlehem in the coast or in the vicinity around Bethlehem. And in his demented mind, he believed that in the process he would kill the Christ child and there would no longer be a threat to his throne. Now in a coming home group, I'm going to ask the question, How many babies did Herod kill? It's interesting because it's called the slaughter of the innocents. That's what it's theologically called. And if you look at the paintings of this, especially from the Dark Ages, it looks like thousands and thousands of babies. Well, that's very dramatic. But, my friends, there were not thousands of people in Bethlehem. You know how many people probably lived in Bethlehem? They estimate about 300 people lived in Bethlehem. That's why there was no room for Mary and Joseph when they showed up. All those people came to Bethlehem. Where are they going to live in Bethlehem? was a very small crowd. And most scholars estimate at a maximum there were probably 20 babies in Bethlehem from two years old and under, maybe six. So Herod killed the babies. It wouldn't have been hard to do because there weren't that many. And Herod, let's say the devil in this case, is so unknowing, he didn't know which one of those Was the Christ child? He didn't know that one of those was not the Christ child. The devil was so ignorant, he said, just kill them all, and maybe we'll get the one we're looking for. In the wrong city. In the wrong city. (laughs) Isn't that amazing, Denise? What are you thinking? I'm thinking about the prophecy uh, in verse 18. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted. Because there are no more. I'm thinking about those mothers and that that was even prophesied that these mothers, that their children would be slaughtered and that they're weeping and refusing to be comforted was even thought of prophesied by the Holy Spirit that that would happen. You know, this is a reason why a lot of scholars mock this story. They said that didn't happen. Josephus didn't record a word about it. If that had happened, Josephus would have recorded it because Josephus was such an accurate historian. But killing six to 20 babies was a very minor deal for Herod. If Josephus was going to record all the atrocities of Herod, that wouldn't have been one of them because it's just too small to be on the list. It is an atrocity. The Bible makes it very clear. Killing any baby is an atrocity. But that was a small number compared to other things that Herod did. So it's very logical that it didn't make it in Josephus' historical account. Any comments, guys? But it made it in God's account. It made it in God's account. God is mm-hmm. brokenhearted over the loss of any child. Any child. Any child. Joel? I think it's just amazing that
0: so many prophecies were fulfilled. Daniel prophesied it. You said that it was prophesied to Micah. Micah, even Balaam. And here it all is coming together. And there were different prophets at different times prophesying these things. And it all happened in the order that it was supposed to happen. It's just amazing to me.
1: Well, I want to say one more thing before we're done. Herod sent them one place, but the star led the Magi somewhere else.
0: I want to say one more thing about Herod.
1: He was such a master. Let me finish this first. Sometimes you think you're going one direction, but God will lead you in a different direction. You have to follow the leading of the Lord. Herod really thought they were going to be going to Bethlehem, but the star led them to Nazareth. And you have to follow the leading of the Lord if you're going to be where you're supposed to be. Joel?
0: I wanted to say that Herod was such a rascal. He was terrible. Here come these kingmakers. He's not supposed to ask them questions. He's supposed to answer their questions. And here he is receiving them in his property and demanding they answer his questions. Uh, He should not have even asked them one question. They were his guests, and he was supposed to answer theirs. It's truly, he was a rascal, just terrible.
2: Uh, Like you're saying, uh, you're very correct, but it's interesting that he demanded from the priests, so he had no respect for the priests, but he respected the wise men. He inquired of them. It's a different word. It is. He talked
1: differently to them. That's a very good point. Now, when the wise men finally showed up, The Bible tells us that they brought gifts. And like we have here in this little nativity here, we have three kings with three little trinkets, three little gifts. Mm -hmm. But really, if you were magi coming all the way from the east to the birth of the greatest human being ever born, and you knew that, would you come with three trinkets? I don't think so. And it's possible for us to know what they brought. You know why it's possible for us to know? Because of historical records, we know what magi gave to kings at birth. We know. We know what they gave to the low-level kings. We even know what they gave to the high-level kings. And when you see what they gave the high-level kings, it is stunning. So what would they have given to the king of kings? It wasn't three trinkets. And I'm writing a book called Christmas, the Rest of the Story, which will come out in 2022, and I've hired an illustrator to illustrate the story like it really was, rather than what people think it was. And here's an example of these kings bearing gifts. Gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts. Carpets, vases, silver, gold, jewelry, tusks. It would have been gifts piled on top of gifts, piled on top of gifts, They were traveling in a caravan to carry all the gifts that they were bringing to this one born, their greatest world leader ever born. What was the value of those gifts? It's what we're going to find out on Monday. Mm. Sleep well tonight. It's been good to be with you. We believe the Word of God that you're going to lay down in peace and sleep, and the Lord's going to keep you safe. And let us know how to pray. If you just send us your prayer request at prayerrunner.org or call 1-800-742-5593. Go to bed. Bye-bye. If that teaching helped you, would you please
0: subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.